wash my hair today. Wow. I put perfume on. For a podcast. <laughs> so the microphone can smell you. You down the ride? Hey, baby. <laughs> just wanted to turn my mic on. I just wanted to have something to excite me. Oh, I get that. Sensory. I mean, I get dressed and like make myself look hot just for myself. It's literally for nobody else. I put on winged eyeliner today. Yeah, you like really went all out. I'm not worried. I put lipstick on. Well, it, I mean, we are we we are going straight to work after this. We're busy girls. Yeah, I'm just I'm on the trend of not wearing makeup to work. I've never recorded without my glasses, but I actually don't really need to look at a screen today, so I'm debating going in blind. So why do you make me type all the show notes down, you little bitch? So you're not gonna look at the screen? After you just made me type all the show notes down? Well, no, oh, okay. You, literally, no, you type them in all caps that I can just see them. <laughs> Meaning, therefore, you're looking at a screen. I mean, I'm confused. So since it's all in all caps, you're not looking at a screen. Are you okay? You yeah. sound like that girl from your work that just is such a ditz. I'm sorry. Oh. Taylor Swift girl. Fuck you. I'm drinking some cold brew. You're drinking coffee again? Yeah, this is my second cup of coffee today. I haven't I even had two cups of coffee. I know. Second cup of cold brew, mind you. Are you okay? I'm like genuinely serious. Like, are you actually okay? <laughs> my dad asked me if I was okay <laughs> yesterday too. Like genuinely concerned. And I was like, I'm actually kind fine. Of the overarching theme of this, this episode is like, are, are you, you okay? <laughs> <laughs> What's the name of this? Are you okay? And like, this is a- There we go. We just like, came- we just came up the with the episode day. name. I mean, cheers. Yeah, but I'm being serious. To the ones we've loved and the ones we fucked. That's also part of our episode. So we're really hitting all the topics today. Wow. We are really talking about getting fucked today and I can't wait to get into it. But we are. So like, I'm, actually, I'm actually being serious. Why are you having another cup of coffee? You don't drink coffee. Are you going to be like really anxious for the rest of the day? No, I... Uh, Why are you doing this? I'm like I wicked work. I work. I close. I close the so restaurant. I close today too. That's because we both go in at five. But like I'm, I haven't even had another cup of coffee yet. It's because I'm running, dude. I actually I've wanted to throw this really... in there. Sorry. I was just saying that the endorphin from me running again, I feel like I had another cup of coffee from like running the last two days. See, like I, I worked, literally feel I worked like I took a couple hours ago. Okay. Okay. So, so yeah, I'll like have my the... come down. Um, you're on the come down. I'm yeah. gonna have my come down right when I go into work. That I'll have I also come woke up really early because I had to drive my roommate to work this morning. So because her car got towed. <laughs> yeah. Poor woman. I, I hate when my car gets towed. I, well, I mean, literally, there's nothing worse. I had my car towed when I was living in LA, and I remember because it had like past midnight that it was two days in the tow yard, so it was like over seven hundred dollars. Yeah, and they only accept cash. And so I like this morning she comes, she like knocks on my door and she's like, Slay. And I, w- I woke up to her like being like, Slay, my car's missing. Can you take me to work? And I was like, yeah. I was like, let me pee. I like pee, took my antidepressant, threw my like glasses <laughs> Didn't forget on. that one though. <laughs> nope, nope, nope. And then I had on like a Coors Light sweatshirt. Uh, my sleep leggings and like slides with my hair. I, I washed. I? I washed my hair. Yeah. What are sleep leggings? Uh, just leggings. I sleep. What are the in. difference between sleep leggings and regular leggings? Sleep leggings Period. are usually made of like cotton or a soft material. Active so leggings. Like leggings. 
well active leggings like workout leggings are like that oh they're not like dry fit yeah no it's just like you know something soft like my sleep leggings comfy leggings yeah do you know i saw advertisements of that i wanted to ask you about period underwear i keep getting advertised i do as well i'm being targeted no no they're they're underwear made for you to like free bleed in yeah i know they're called thinks do you use them no, I keep getting all the ads too. Okay, so they're doing a great job with pushing these ads. Yeah. But I'm gonna be honest, like they just like you just like wring your blood out in the sink. Like what's I what's don't the vibe? Know. Honestly, like I am all for everyone dealing with you their period. Do that, however, sure. like they see fit in a hygienic way, mind you. Um, Is that hygienic? Is just all I'm curious about. I mean it would have bleeding I, into I, your pants all day. I, I honestly couldn't tell, you, I, I couldn't tell you. I've never been one of those people curious about like using my own body things to like make other things. Um, that was like the least. I literally had no idea what you meant by that. But did you pick up on it? <laughs> but kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Like there's just there's people that brew things or like reuse things that their body creates and i've never okay. been one oh of those you mean, like eating the placenta and stuff no like, i i mean i mean more like using like things as watercolors you know no now i don't know what you're saying you kind of lost me with the watercolors are you saying like using your period to like paint a picture yeah there's people that do that okay well that's a whole new world that i didn't know of a whole new i am actually world. knew of an artist that was a guy that um added semen to all of his paintings Okay, see. So, I mean, that's, I guess, the same vibe. I guess, why can't women add their period blood? At- Frida Carlo would listeners. It. Yeah, I'm really sorry. <laughs> we got to get off of this topic. Let's get back into something more wholesome. <laughs> uh, As if end we're of season into- two. Yes, that's wholesome. End of season two. Like, honestly, we've come so far. We've come so far with this podcast. <laughs> End of season two, dude. That's so crazy. I remember when we were like blown away end of season one. We're like, how the fuck do we do? This is the end now of season Now it's like, how, I. but here's the thing. I feel like I dissociated the entire time because it's That's like so how unhealthy did- again. So <laughs> No, but it's just like, we just did it. Like we made it True. just a part of our lives and just did it. Like it's the same thing yeah. as waking up in the morning. Now we put out an episode once a week. We put out. And- we put out hopefully more than once a week, but knowing us, That's really pushing really, it for us. Like we both know that we're, we're lucky if it's once a month these days. We are fucking lucky. We're going for and if every it's, if it's six more than months, once. I will pull my hip out. Like wow. let's not. We are not as young as we used to be. They would not call us spring chickens. They wouldn't. But yeah, nope. season two, we are wrapping it up. We're not going to wrap it up though without t-shirts oh i thought you were gonna say a condom i I wanted to put a condom joke in but i'm like i just i just don't want to let's defer from it let's defer from it i like myself in and i got excited to make a condom joke but then i was like (sighs) raw dog or no dog just kidding just kidding we raw dog season two though dude we raw dog the fuck out of season like that there was no condom i'm gonna just say what i wanted to say now (laughs) (laughs) yeah no no we just straight that we we did no lube we did it. Honestly, there were some some Tuesdays though where I felt like I was literally going in raw. I felt so, like my brain so was lube. Some Tuesdays. I, yes, 
exactly like I was the raw dog and my brain's a lube and like but we still got through it and like that was a weird ass analogy and I hope you understood what we meant because I think we're losing each other on this. we're losing listeners we're losing each other but we're gaining season three what up uh we'll oh, be wow. moving I'm on just, like stoked I'm so excited yeah. you know each season we level ourselves up so going into season three like it's infinite the sky we- the sky is the limit isn't that such a term? The sky's the limit. <laughs> that's what your third grade. That's what your third grade teacher says to you. No, that's what like those motivational pa- or like posters, you know, in middle school and stuff were. There was one, and it was like loose lips sink ships, and I was like, "Damn." Okay, whoa. I used to that's stare like- at that in seventh grade. That's also the name of pornos. <laughs> it was also in the creepy teacher's classroom, so it just kind of no, like gave kidding. a weird vibe all around. Okay, one interjection. I had a real, I had a sexual predator as an elementary school music teacher. I felt like this might be the time to share this. <laughs> okay, do you want to hear? You want to hear a crazy story? Actually, sure. right before we, we've completely gone off the show rundown. Oh my god! What, I know. Why did I even type it? You don't have your. She put her glasses on to read it, but not read it. So here we are. I would love to hear your story. Okay, cool. Um, so do you remember Flats from SpongeBob? No. The fish. Are you serious? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, he was like the villain in SpongeBob. (laughs) And he was like a big fish that when he was standing forward, he looked really skinny. But then when he turned sideways, he was like morbidly obese. So he played like just like a really fat, mean, talked like this with a lisp and his name was Flats from SpongeBob. Wow. Okay, we're back. Okay. This is making the story delivery very difficult. So you don't know who Flats from SpongeBob is, but besides the fact he was just like a really, really fat guy, um, very poorly dressed, like kind of looked very dirty all the time. Um, okay. He's giving a preface. Um, and he had a belt across his very large body that flashed his name, uh, which was Mr. Bennett. So that, that means kids are going to be looking at his crotch all day, correct? Because you have a flashing light and we'd always touch it because we're little kids and we're in elementary school and he's our music teacher and he had a belt that flashed his name and then he would change the words to different words. So yes. And then he would record us every time we um, would, would be in class doing musical things. And he had us use the flute of flown, which is the flute, you know, like the mini and he would zoom in on our faces while we'd be playing all the time, like zoom in deeply. And he would pick specific people to come do solos. And it was very off putting. Um, and you would watch yourself. How back. old we were you? I was in second, nope, I was in first or second grade. So what age is that? Like Young? Very young. I was like eight or nine. No, that's like nine. seven. Seven or eight. eight. Yeah, like really young that I didn't know what he was doing was weird. This is where the weird, really weird part where I remember feeling like this is weird and this is when kids started telling their parents. He would bring us into a dark room and put headphones on us and we had dark with just him. And this didn't come to me until I was about like 21 where I was sharing this story with one of my friends. And I was like, yeah, he would sit us in a dark room and we put headphones on. We're in the dark room with him, right? And he would play sounds and we had to tap if it was the right or the left, um, if it would come through the right or the left speaker, you know, like so he the hearing giving, test that you do? Yeah, like wait, yeah, he hearing was giving test, you- Right, 100%, which there's no need for us to do a hearing test. This is music class. But, and I was just like telling my friends a story. I was literally, this was like my sophomore year in college. So 20, maybe 20. I was sharing this with my friends. I remember sharing this story and they're like, Grace, like you do realize that this guy had you in a dark room with headphones on because he was jerking off. And I was like, 
Oh. 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 And he he got fired. Like, he's not at our school. And he's like, yeah. But besides the fact that that's that just mental health, mental health awareness. Wow. Um, Yeah. Damn. What an intro we're giving for uh, fucking. Imagine those dudes with a bunch of like people are employing a man like that in a school with young children. But how do you know? How are you supposed to know that somebody's sketch like that when you hire them? You never you don't know until you know. People are I mean, so fucked up. That's like dating apps almost like you don't Dude, know until that's why I dating apps are exactly like my music teacher. Yeah. Like you are going off of like a piece of paper or someone's recommendation or a dating app and you have no idea who the person is behind it like that's that's part of the allure but that's also like part of the am I gonna get murdered I love that Um, you know that that's kind of the sexy part of the dating apps you were like off the dating apps though like which is like you're kind of like I don't know I know you kind of as tinder soleil (laughs) uh tinder slay uh we we laid her to rest because it was just like i mean this is i i deleted the dating apps because you genuinely like don't know what you're gonna get and that is sometimes really exciting but then it also just becomes a drain and like i would much rather spend my time coming out of covid with like people i enjoy being with and like just working my ass off which is what i've been doing and like the dating apps just got in the way of all of that because it was just like uh let down after let down like people just yeah. tell you what you want to hear and then like don't live up to it or vice versa right. or you like find out they're very misleading and you're just like uh it's too sounds much energy so sexy. that sounds so hot no and like you have to confirm that like I don't know they actually are single and uh, I'd just rather spend my money you know instead of like drinks to get through dates on like plants I completely agree with that plants I'm actually a big plant girl myself and I've been hooking up with them all of the pandemic I'm like, really I know their emotions. Upset. I'm in touch with them. I know what they need. They know what I need. Um, it's I'm a very wholesome relationship. Mine right now. Me too. And it's making me horny. I got three new ones yesterday. That's so hot. Threesome. Honestly, I haven't used the dating apps. I like will have them and then delete them. I don't last more than a fucking week on them. You know that. <clears throat> I literally, I would be able to to use them for like a couple of days just to feel alive again. But that's why I have plants. Plants remind me that I'm alive. See, they remind me that I'm living. I think I kept the dating apps up for like a solid nine months. Like I could have had a baby. You crushed them, dude. You kind yeah. of, cru- dude, you crushed. I'm not going to lie. That was tenacious. You on the dating apps. It was like honestly empowering. You made me like want to use the dating apps. I'm not going to lie. Well, okay. So I was, catching up with uh McKenna last night and she was like wait so you haven't talked about like tinder anything in a while and I was like oh yeah dude remember like I deleted them all and she's like oh fuck like you're right you told me about that she's like how do you feel about deleting them and I was like honestly like I feel really good because it just kind of became too much like an obligation to people that were like I didn't even really want to engage with and then it was just like so much energy that I was putting out and just I was on my phone way too much and like 
I felt like I wasn't enjoying my life anymore because I was so focused on like trying to bag the next sucker. Yeah, but good thing that you noticed that. That's like really key there, right there. You know what I mean? Like I, I think that that's just like a sign of just like reading your body and reading your mind. Like that's how I felt. That it's like, yeah, I kept deleting it every now and then and re-downloading, but that's what my body and mind were telling me. Like I didn't feel comfortable just messaging a bunch of people all the time because it's guess what? Dating in reg in general when you can go out in person is so disgusting. It's so hard in general when there's no pandemic is so difficult like when you're out in person and you can actually gauge who the person is before going on another date that's already hard enough throw in never meeting the people and just having weird figurative online conversation and then they it's just not a vibe it's like it's hard because part of you feels like oh i should be you know a fully rounded life is having x y and z and putting yourself out there and it's like I do put myself out there. I put myself out there all the time. Like I am the easiest person I feel like to walk up and talk to because that's just how I am. And like people do approach me all the time. But in terms of like romantic interests, that is like very few and far between. Yeah. No, I get it. It's just way too like literally there's nothing more anxiety provoking than giving your energy to a significant other. I don't I like there's nothing more anxiety provoking in my opinion. But on the flip side, we don't have significant others that are supportive. We're not in relationships. Like, there are definitely people out there that are content and happy and thriving. Yeah, but to get there, it's anxiety-provoking. That's all I'm saying. Like, once you're in it and Why you've made it that, happen. though? Like, are we making it anxiety-provoking because we're putting so much pressure on it? Or is it just, like, like, I can't tell. Like, are we making it a bigger deal than it is? Or... No. I mean, for me, I don't like the feeling of being vulnerable and I know that you could hurt me. So that's a scary process and that will always mm-hmm. be scary to me. I think other people aren't as scared of it and like maybe they get into more relationships than I do like I've dated like I've dated dated like two people in my life because I'm so scared to open my energy up other people have dated like eight guys and they're not as scared to open their energy up. Mm. I've dated two people because I'm I'm scared to like open my energy to so many people I think other girls are and guys are out here they're serial daters and they're consistently dating people all the time because they they're able to open that energy up I think some people can and can't it scares me and it forever will be I wonder if that's like us projecting an all or nothing mentality on it though like or at least in my own shoes is (coughs) pardon me or in my own situation is like am I telling myself that you know I don't know like I just I don't know if I'm too focused on it but then when I try to not be focused on It's such a weird situation. I can't even talk about it. It is weird. But dating is weird. Like, I don't know. We're like not meant to be alone, but it's like so fucking scary to like try to like want to coexist with another human being. Like, what the fuck is that? Like, can I cook you dinner? Do you want any coffee? Like, do you want to go do this? Are you feeling okay? Are you cold? Is that why we're on like a plant kick? Yes, dude. Yes. I'll be rocking and rolling with my plants until I feel otherwise. (laughs) I feel it. I feel it. But dude, you know what? We realized um, the other day. You remember that? Yeah, dude, this realization, like, I'm still a little bit uncomfortable about it. You guys, uh, just a little note. Grace and I realized we're actually Eskimo sisters. Um, do you want to define I've, what that for term years, means? Dude, for years. 
That's what the sneaky part about it is. We were Eskimo sister for years and we didn't know. Yeah. Like, do you want to define what Eskimo sisters are, though, in case, like, someone doesn't know? Yes, in case you don't know. It's when you find out that you have been hooking up with the same person. It's usually, like, a close friend or a sister that you find out that you've been hooking up with the same guy. And, like, by hooking up, you mean, like, doing the dirty. And I'm not saying, like, hook up, like, make out. You guys are, you know, doing the nasty. Hardcore, soft, yeah, hardcore, hardcore. Just like getting we're straight about. railed. And so what Grace and I discovered is like we actually got fucked by the same. Like also like not only just that though. We found out that it was also fucking like 14.8 million of our other friends. Which is kind of crazy because. That's like a lot because like I don't even have that many friends. <laughs> yeah. You would think that like we would have more viewers and maybe a sponsorship or two with that many Eskimo sisters and brothers. You- <laughs> but. Here we are. Alas. But also it really takes you off guard, like how slutty that I don't want to define its gender. Like I don't want to define its gender, but so slutty. It's like just it's, it's like the most pansexual, polyamorous yeah. motherfucker of them all. And it's Doesn't actually discriminate. Our, it's our anti Yeah, like it really just fucking goes for it. And when it does, it sucks you in and it just it grips you and it takes hold and it's really hard to fucking shake it. And that motherfucker just so happens to be depression. What's up, you guys? It's fucking May. It's the end of May, actually. And it's Mental Health Awareness Month. So we're going to go ahead and shake up our end of season two episode. And we're going to talk mental health awareness as our trailblazer, as a concept, and as an overall fucking mover and shaker. So, Grace, are you down? I'm down to ride. You know, I was fucked so long by this by this depression and so were you that I feel like it's such a good such a good time to talk about it especially in mental health awareness month where it's like we spend so much time with our trailblazer that it's like we'd love to give this as much time as we can as it's something that we talk about so heavily in all of our um episodes that we'd love to give it more time to you know we um you know each we try to come up into a theme you know every single when it's important to talk about themes of what's going on around the world and this is like some a topic that i think is really thrown under the covers and like really isn't talked about as as much and like me and soleil started this podcast because we were fucked by the same guy for so long and like you know it's just like it's time to talk about it and normalize it and that's what this whole month is about and let's fucking get into it let's rock and roll let's fucking rock and roll so you guys at the end of season 2 you know, each episode's roughly an hour. So that means if you've made it this far and you've listened to every single one, you've spent almost a full 24 hours inside a, a conversation day. with me and Grace. Um, we're grateful for whole you day, guys. No we're appreciative that people tune in and listen to us. We do this for you. We do this for us. We do this for the hopes that conversations will be created. Relationships will be built upon and fostered and boundaries will be set so that you can go ahead and live your best life possible. So you guys, we hope you're fucking down to ride because we're going to get into it. This episode's going to be a little bit of everything. Uh, It's not going to be light. It's not going to be easy, but you know how we go. So let's fucking roll. I know I loved how in the show night show notes it says light stats about like depression and suicide and I find it to just be fucking comical. Just some light stats about suicide. Yeah, just some light, little light. Just some so, light stats. You want to jump into those? 
some light stats. Yeah, this is something real light. I'm just going to throw something real light at you. But yeah, so I mean, we're not talking about something that's like new news. You know, everybody knows somebody that has depression, has taken their life, is a drug addict in some sense, a substance abuser. Those are all under the umbrella of mental health issues, under the umbrella of depression Um, and anxiety. I would throw that in there as well. So this is what's hard with going over these statistics. You know me and Soleil, we're a little bit rough and wild with our stats. <laughs> it's always funny because there's episodes where we mispronounce the fuck out of things. We yeah. misstate things we should know. And we do try our best to correct them. Um, and we, we do. do like when they're brought to our attention. But yeah. it's funny because on a series about mental health and depression, when we're trying to be as statistic based and as factual and like just being like yo look at how fucked up this is uh that we can't find any information that matches nor is like credible and none of the stats match and and we're talking stats off like better help and world health organization like that's where i was looking um because truthfully like let's just be real here but this is one thing that matters to me how the, how the fuck do you even put a number on this? That makes no fucking sense. How the fuck would you put a number on the amount of people that are depressed? Like, that makes no sense. Like, I know for a fact I've been suicidal, and I bet you I wasn't in this number. Do you think you were in this number? I who, who probably... My name who would have, I don't even think I matter enough to even be in the <laughs> depression statistic. <laughs> That's my depression speaking. I'm like, I'm not even say- important enough. I, I probably wasn't marked, you know, I wasn't when? given my, like, my, what is it called? My, what was the scarlet letter? I wasn't given my, my fucking tainted, like, oh, she's broken. Yeah, you, you know have what? to put a big the chemicals D, aren't or, working. D on your forehead if you have depression. I got big D mark. energy, you guys. I'm big depression energy. Big D energy. Big Tonic. depression energy. Yeah. So if you're labeled with big D energy, so one of the statistics as from BetterHelp says 14.8 million Americans, which is 6.7% of the population ex- experience depressive symptoms. Then the World Health Organization says 264 million people struggle with depression Wait, annually. Sorry, who says that? Who? <laughs> so it's going to keep making jokes because all of this hot and heavy talk about suicides making her channel her coping mechanisms, which we'll get into a little bit later. Uh. They're already firing up. I love to see it. Um, yeah, no, that's why I write comedy. I'm going to be honest. But deflect, here I'm just trying deflect. to keep it together. Deflect, deflect, deflect. So off of that, the um, better help says that 9.5% of women have um, depression and 5.6% of men have depression. So that's a higher significant number. Women are way more prone to depression than men are. And also it's our hormones that trigger depression more than men's. Um, but I also want to say, since these statistics were both going back and saying that who the fuck knows if these are accurate, I do know a lot. I don't think men come forward about their depression as much as women do. So I don't believe that statistic either. Cause I do feel like men financially carry this burden that is crazy. And the leading cause of depression is financial in America. Um, because I poverty rates say, are so high. I wonder what the suicide terms in uh, in relation or like the suicide rates in relation to men versus women who have depression are. Men are higher with suicide. See, that's I had a feeling that was going to be it. Men are more aggressive and like c- complete tasks more than than which is another thing. 
So the reason I have such thorough research done about this is because for one thing, I've been heavily affected by depression and mental health around me my whole life. But I really, during the pandemic, I had more time on my hands than I ever fucking expected. And I don't like having that much time on my hands. So I wanted to start a YouTube channel. Um, and I had a lot of time to reflect on my mental health, um, especially with the person that I just broke up with, um, which I'll get into later. So I wanted to do something with my energy and my time. And I wanted to start a YouTube channel to spread awareness about depression and mental health and and suicide for one thing. Um, so I have just like all of this research done that I never got to really put anywhere. Um, but it also was great to know, I guess. But also Soleil was talking to me about this podcast and we were just like really talking. And then I was like, you know what? This isn't what I want to do with this YouTube channel. Isn't going to go to waste. So what I want to do with this YouTube channel wasn't going to go to waste. I could use, you know, that same energy behind that and put it into this podcast, you know, so there's a way in which that we can still spread awareness for a topic that really needs to be talked about. And me and Soleil, we talk about it every episode, but we talk about it in a lighthearted way. So we're not just, you know, crushing you with statistics that, you know, are just depressing. But sometimes in, in the month that is Mental Health Awareness Month, I think it's time to get into it and time to talk about it and share this podcast with some people that should hear it. Or what has really been presented to me is I feel like I, I having it, having depression, I feel like more people know about it. But that is a misconception as well, that a lot of people's brains, which is shocking to me, you just don't have any depressive tendencies and you don't have any anxiety. And it imagine? fucking blows. No, dude, it blows my mind. But the guy I dated for three years would literally jump out of bed, do a twirl and be like, let's get some coffee. And I was obsessed with that energy about him because there was nothing gloomy about his energy he was the most overwhelmingly optimistic human being and sometimes gonna be honest it pissed me the fuck off i'd be like why the fuck are you so happy all the time well i remember when you guys were dating and we would be like oh let's go meet up or let's go do something and there would just be like a lack of time management or like punctuality and very just like go with the flow but it would almost be like to the point of dude like come on like we're waiting like not everything is a stop and smell the flowers like there are people depending on you so it's kind of that frustration of like good point yes be super happy and be carefree but also like motherfucker like we like we know you're having a great day yeah yeah so he was just always cruising which is like a cali term that i'm just like yo dude you're cruising all the fucking time. But at the same point in time, I was obsessed with the fact that, you know, you're happy, go lucky. And like, you're very overwhelmingly positive, especially when I was really depressed when I first fucking moved out here. That person didn't know how to see that or see any signs of that. And when I would talk about my depression, there, I would be given responses back of depression is a choice and you can choose to be happy. And I do think that that's a very huge common misconception with depression. As I was said that by my own family members and other friends, many times I had, I could list off about 15 to 20 people that has told me that depression is a, a choice. And that made me when I wasn't sure that I was depressed because you don't really know how to put a label on how you're feeling of why you're suicidal. You, you, it makes you think down on yourself even more like, Oh, maybe I am, you know, maybe I'm just weak. And, you know, I channeled it into the fact that maybe I'm just weak. Um, and that's just not fair to do to people that have depression, make them feel weak and tell them that it's a choice. So I let's dive I don't into think, it. Well, I was going to say, I don't think that depression is a choice at all. Um, it's, it's definitely an illness and it has <laughs> yeah. no, it doesn't have parameters for who it scoops up in its clutches. It, you know, it doesn't warn you before it just fucking fucks you. It just goes right. for it. I, so I don't think that depression is a choice, but I think what Not you do all. once you realize you have depression is a choice. Do you actively Agreed. look for ways to better Agreed. your life and to seek change and seek therapy or seek things to 
treat your depression because you I, I I'm a believer that you can't cure it I don't or I, I don't know like if you can cure it I haven't gotten there yet I just know that I'm healing from yes. it if that you're makes in an sense. active state consistently of healing that's like yes. telling somebody that has you know um I have dyslexia right this is how I break it down to some people in my family I have dyslexia so therefore I'll never not have dyslexia but I have a ton of coping mechanisms that make me, I don't read backwards. I don't have all of these things that are common tendencies of dyslexia because I've found coping mechanisms. I've gone to see so many tutors. I've spent countless hours working on that, that it doesn't affect me as much. There's still some times where I'm like, oh, like something will toss me up and make me, you know, channel my dyslexia. But like, it's nothing that brings me down. That's the same thing with depression. That's the same thing with anxiety. You have coping mechanisms. It's not going away. My brain has less serotonin and I'm not dopamine. I'm going to wake release. up one morning and all my levels are going to be magically be restored. There's right. no depression fairy that's like, oh, <laughs> you've beat it. Here you go. I wish there was though. And you know something Do crazy you, when though? you're because I, I don't. don't know because it's part of me and it's made me like I like the elk that I have on life and I wouldn't be in comedy if it wasn't for my depression. So I like it's like my best friend. It's like a toxic ex that I fucking love, but I like hate. Do you yeah. know what I mean? That's my depression. It's someone like, I that love shaped it. I you and had an influence right. on you. You wouldn't be who you were without them. You wouldn't be going through life without like with the impact they had on you. But that doesn't mean you're going to put yourself into a relationship with them again whenever they rear their head up. You're going to put some more boundaries up and you're going right. to distance yourself from it. Like depression right. is your toxic ex. It like, is. It is literally is. your toxic ex that consistently comes, sneaks back and fucks you, like as yeah. you were saying, and your friends. And it's just awful. It's literally awful. Like in, in layman's terms. Yeah, that's that's what it is. But also I thought that this was like, I was trying, as I was just saying earlier, I was talking I my, about my ex-boyfriend. The reason I'm bringing that up is because I'm obsessed with him and I miss him. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Girl. just kidding uh, not at all just kidding. toxic but, um, actually, toxic ex. yeah literally but on a more serious note actually um the reason i'm bringing it up is because i think it really will bring full circle from the side of things of people that do not understand depression to the side of people that have it and understand it mm. and seeing common ground in that and and it kind of levels things out on the playing field because it's eye-opening to me of how many people do not know anything about this topic and it's also eye-opening to people depression is like it, it blows people's minds so I just wanted to preface that a little bit and also like explain why we were opening communication up recently because uh, his best friend um, and, a, and a person that I knew, um, he committed suicide a few days ago and took his life. And my ex called me in uh, many times and left me a lot of messages, you know, really, really emotional, opening up to me about how he did not understand the severity of depression. And I would always talk to him about my depression and I was always, and I would be open about it and he never could understand. He would say things to me like, it's a choice, you know, be happier, Grace, like, let's do other things. You know, I just don't want to see you sad. Why I feel sad all the time? Your energy is heavy. Like, I feel like you're sad. And all of these common things he was saying, he was just oblivious to the fact that I was depressed and, and couldn't, couldn't see the severity of it. Mm. I don't know. All of the things that he was saying about me choosing to be happier, he realized that I wasn't choosing to feel unhappy and that it was a chemical imbalance in my brain and that suicide is excessively real and excessively serious because I, I would always warn him about his friend. His friend had very heavy energy. He was a very depressed person. He was a drug user and abuser for a while. People that abuse substances are depressed people. You don't abuse substances. If you're stoked on life, I'm going to be honest, you're not railing heroin if you're feeling good. 
Um, You're not an alcoholic if you're feeling good. I want to put those out there. People don't even put those into the same umbrella. They're the same thing. Um, I just wanted to clarify on that. Dependency on anything to a level that becomes consuming is like very, very dangerous. Very, very dangerous. And those are warning signs. If, if there's anything we preach in this podcast, besides being a good person, being a writer and how cool me and Grace are, um, it's it's that balance is important. So we're not saying don't go out and drink. We're not saying don't go out and party. I clearly smoke weed all the time. Everyone has their things, but also know what you're doing and what you're using and to what extent you're doing it yeah. because there does become a line even with smoking weed, as someone that does smoke weed, I do joke about it being um, a gateway drug and people think that that's like really not funny to joke about, but it's true because you get into like, you get into a headspace where you're using things to cope or using things to deal. And I've definitely gone through those stages with marijuana where sometimes it's just something fun and other times I'm just chiefing because I'm trying to get out of my head or escape something. And that's, that's like, that's me deflecting those thoughts till yeah later like there's definitely like I you know it's, point, it's, it's owning and it's being accountable for your own shit like yeah I I definitely like with weed and stuff I fucking I chief it like a motherfucker but then I don't drink I have a hard time with drinking right but I also I stopped smoking weed because I noticed that I was deflecting all of my emotions and feelings because I was like yo I'm just gonna go hit this joint and then I would not have to go feel my emotions and that was a common theme for me and now I feel my emotions without marijuana um, and I don't smoke anymore, which it makes me feel really good, but I do miss my chiefing days. Cause like I, I felt a lot more creative and like funky. Um, but Hey, I think my, my mental health is a lot more important. Um, my creativity will never go away. Um, but yeah, so great point with that. Soleil, um, is throwing in the balance and having like a balance with things that, um, you're using to deflect your mental health, which I think we all kind of have our vices. Um, but drugs and alcohol are the leading cause of, you know, deflection and most people that overdose. I have this weird thing where I view overdosing as a, as a subtle suicide in my opinion, because every single time that you play with drugs, heavy drugs, you know very well that that could be the last time that you are breathing and you do it anyway because you're so depressed. Um, and that's everybody that I know that has ever fucked around with heavy drugs and everything like that. I've In the, in the time, the person that I just lost, um, his name was Johnny. He would he said that openly. He's like, oh, yeah, like I played around with my life every time. All me and my friends, we would just sit in a circle playing around with our life. He would say that to me. We were talking mental health pretty heavily a bit when we were there. His girlfriend... We, I went to, out to Colorado actually to visit him during the pandemic and we stayed at his place for like a week or so. Um, and I'm really glad that we got to take that trip um, to go there and spend time with him, you know, before, you know, everything happened. But no, we like had really open conversations about mental health and he had an energy to him that I'm really open to from having depression and being around substance abuse in my life that he has both of those energies. Very heavy depression, very heavy past user um, that I had a hard time sometimes sitting in the same room with him for more than a couple hours because his energy is so depressive. Um, And I would tell my boyfriend at the time, you really got to check in on your friend. Um, He has really heavy depressive energy, Quinn. Um, He has really, really gnarly energy. Um, You need to check in on him. He's not doing as well mentally as you might think. My ex just didn't see these things because he like literally is so optimistic that he looks for the best in people consistently that we would be with one of his other friends that would be like an alcoholic user and he wouldn't know. 
I was going to say it's it's also we can see the signs because we've experienced it and we've hid things the same way. Much like me with my eating disorder, right. I can tell right. when people are using the same coping mechanisms that I was or speaking about things in a disordered manner. So I think, but then even the language or, you know, intuitive eating versus just eating, like things like that, where the terminology and the language you start to use becomes different. Just like if you go out and party, you can tell who's too drunk. You can tell who's too whatever, because you know, the signs you've seen it, you've been around it. Like, so you, you relate to it. Whereas other people, you go through life and you're like, how did you not notice? And it's because either they weren't exposed to it or they literally didn't experience it. Like straight up, like it's, it's crazy. It's like, it's blinders. I shouldn't use it. It's blinders. It's blinders, but it's also like, it's not though. I was using, I use that term blinders all the time, actually talking about depression and the cycles you get in. I was actually saying this the other day that depression feels like a dirty windshield very dirty mm. and you're living your life with a dirty windshield and you don't know that other people have a clean windshield. You don't know that people drive around with a clean windshield. You just got normalized driving around with a dirty ass windshield all the time. And you think that other people think that way. You think everything, everybody else has clouded. It's, it's harder. Normalized. Well, it's normalized. Right. It's normalized. For you. That is your norm. That's like That's what you're your saying. We talked about this a couple episodes back. Like we don't, it, that, that is our norm. That is our reality is that we have these, wounds or we have these bruises of like past scarring because I feel like at this point I don't necessarily have wounds I have bruises in terms of healing um right and something else that I wanted to say too was in terms of therapies I, I don't know why this came to mind earlier but we were talking about uh depression and oh it was when you were talking about Quinn and how mm. he didn't see the signs and was like just do this this and this and it's like when you're in those stages, you don't realize well that like one, you don't necessarily have to have had trauma to be depressed, if that makes sense, or to be no, anxious. Don't. It can no, literally don't. just be a I'm chemical imbalance. Places. Yeah, like it can be a range. Our depression really stemmed from different places. Yes. And I really like that your point where that whole weakness side of things where it's like, oh, well, I don't have an excessively traumatic upbringing that I can't be depressed bet are you kidding me that is not true at all and i think your depression i'm not going to put a label on it but i feel like yours came from a very self-deprecating place um, of your own self-worth and mine it did get triggered from trauma my depression was very much triggered from a then it turned into self-deprecation so how your trauma and how your i mean excuse me how your depression starts nobody needs you don't need to feel like you need to label it because it's validated. And like, this is the point of this podcast. This is the point of this episode. We're here to validate it. We're here to talk about it and validate how you feel. And and if you want to say, if you want to fucking say that you're depressed or you're feeling depressed, you are, you are, and you don't need anybody to tell you, you know, you're not this, this, and this, that's how you fucking feel. If you wake up feeling like shit consistently, there's something wrong. And you know what? You might have depression and it's not as scary as you think it is. Once you find the coping mechanisms. I mean, is this, should we start talking coping mechanisms right now or like, because I've got, I I think, I think we can start talking them. I just kind of also want to, um, preface kind of the chemical imbalance in your brain so we can really Mm -hmm. hit home that it's not just like this little figmented thing, which we have to bring reality to the situation that, so say you go get, go to the doctor's office, right. And you get a brain scan, um, a depressed brain, um, or an addict brain, lights up differently in a brain scan than a normal brain. 
there is your brain will fire red and it's supposed to come across as blue if you have depression or you're an addict because it's an inflammatory. That means your brain is inflamed because your brain is working harder to think and feel than other people that do not have depression. Therefore, people that do not have depression, their brain in a CAT scan comes up blue. In a brain scan, it, it, there's not, it's not firing. So therefore, there is a physical difference right there. We can see that there is a physical difference right there with your brain. The reason of that is you're not getting the chemicals of dopamine and serotonin fired to your brain, which are neurons that fire that you are happy, that those signal that you're happy. And when you have depression, you're lacking those two, those twin sisters. You know, you just don't have them firing the same. You have to go out of your way. You were talking coping mechanisms, coping mechanisms. How can I get these things to fire to my brain? What are some things that can release dopamine to me, some serotonin to me? Me going for my run earlier before this podcast, I have dopamine and serotonin running through my body. I feel super happy. That's something that really helps me with my depression. Um, so I fire off what's something that gives you dopamine and serotonin. Something that gives me dopamine and serotonin is definitely going to be like plants and caring for other things, Same. animals. Like I, it's, it sounds so childish and lame no, it but genuine like actually no it doesn't these are coping things. yeah these are things that validate your emotions and like yeah no uh puppies small dogs make me feel great as do plants and taking care of my plants and even when I'm depressed picking leaves up and like just pruning them and taking care of them and like giving care to something that. else to get me out of my head is like a huge coping mechanism I love that you said that because that's a very common trait with people with depression and anxiety to start caring and aiding for a lot of other things. That's why we get into a lot of toxic relationships because you are caring and aiding and putting your emotions onto others. No, I'm not even kidding. I'm not even kidding though. Well, I did the same. I did that. I was like, let me make you feel I'll suck all of my feelings. So I've done that before. No, we're past that. We're past that. But I, what I was going to say was I have this like ID app for my plants. So I've been buying new plants. We've talked about that a couple times now. And I have this ID app. You actually brought it up so many times. You're like so obsessed with your plants. I'm really into my plants. But here's the thing. I like put them all into the app and it tells me like what types of plants they are. I thought I've been doing like so well with my garden. I'm literally just buying like drought, (laughs) drought tolerant, like, uh, land coverings, like fucking the plants that you buy to like cover lawns or like big areas the ones that don't need water is what you're saying basically like not even succulents you you don't even need to care for yes like not even succulents like i bought and they're beautiful like they're different colors there's greens you just don't need to care for them yeah i'm buying like do do those come in do those come in a boyfriend If they do, I haven't found them yet, but I'll go back to the nursery. Do those come in something that doesn't I'll need anything? I'll go back anything, to the nursery. But just, and... but just looks beautiful, but doesn't need fucking anything and require any work because that uh, would be great. Right. Just kidding. I'd rather date my plants. Date your fucking plants if you need to, dude. I am. Also, me and Soleil are still in recovery. So we're, our ba- brains are still more inflamed than some other people's that don't have Uh depression or anxiety with our brains are still a little bit more inflamed, not as inflamed as they were before, but that's why we have plants. And that's why we do things like that, that make our brains soothed. And And another thing, there's definitely other coping mechanisms as well. I am in therapy. I am on antidepressants. I am on SSRIs. I am on medication that I take daily to help me regulate my chemical balances. Um, 
I talk to people. I was going to share what I do. I'm vegan because that's an anti-inflammatory. Meat is an inflammatory. I'm not kidding. I'm vegan because it literally is an anti-inflammatory and it, it's helped me. And it's also, I love to cook and cooking good meals for yourself is validating to myself. So when I cook myself a, a meal that doesn't inflame my brain more, um, it makes me feel very, very good. And that is something that has helped me with my depression is watching myself cook bomb ass food. I puree fucking shit. I'm a that's really awesome. good cook. And even yeah. like not to that extent, but that's another coping mechanism is like trying new dishes mm-hmm. or cooking or fueling your body. Like those are other things. There are still days where, you know, I, I don't, be- I don't, I am, there are still days where I am not there are still days where I'm so busy that I'm not fueling my body properly. And as someone who is recovering from an eating disorder, that does become kind of difficult because you're trying to make sure that you're fueling your body and taking care of yourself and still balancing everything else you need to do. But something that definitely does make me feel good are eating foods that make me feel good. And that's a form of self-care. So that's, you know, smoothie bowls and yogurt and granola and whatever I want. Or that's a chocolate chip cookie. Or I'm obsessed with these like popsicles right now. They're called Chloe's. And they have this like banana dark chocolate one that's like so good. And they're dairy free. Yes, actually they are because they're dairy free. And so I would would 10 out of 10 recommend those. They're really good. Love that recommendation. Give yourself that little popsicle though all the time because you deserve it like straight up. Like I just like, as I've been saying a bit in this podcast, I didn't ever give myself, you use this term a lot, give yourself that cookie. Like Mm -hmm. I dead ass never would do that. And recently I just bought myself like a bunch of like new clothes and things that like I've been putting off buying for so long because it's like, I'm like never give myself that cookie. And it's like, I don't know, that's, we don't have time for that. Like we deserve all of the things that we want as long as you're working hard and can afford it. Like, let's be real. Like, let's not like put ourselves in debt because we deserve a Louis bag, but like, you know, other coping mechanisms for me would definitely be journaling, listening to music, um, getting outside. There is something about being outside that definitely changes your mood. It's also switching up your environment. Like I've spent the last, I think week and a half, like slowly putting my room together. I realized that I hadn't actually unpacked my room. I hadn't hung my art up. I hadn't fully moved into this space. I hadn't claimed it. And that was kind of interesting for me to realize because I've really been trying to operate on this whole premise of practicing what I preach. And what we preach on this podcast is to just be better, be better than you were the day before and to actively look for ways to improve yourself. And so I'm looking around my room and I'm like, I'm not actively improving myself. Like there's still a moving box in here. Like I'm a sham. I'm a fraud. Yes. I'm glad that you noticed that though. 100%. You'll feel so much better once you have a space that makes you feel comfortable. And it's that. And it was like, I was comfortable in it before, but it was like, but I was, it still wasn't done. Like I had only done it to like 80%. And it was like, why? Like make this the space that you want it to be like invest in having a space. And that's something that's definitely shifted my mood in the last couple of days is having my art hanging up in my plants and my altar and, you know, the pictures of the people that love me and support me and the pictures of places that I've traveled to and my jewelry and my keepsakes and like all the things that make me mean now that they're like, they're, they're hung up and I'm there. That's something that I did that made me feel better. And it was something so small, you know, mm-hmm. like that's it a coping mechanism for mental health. You don't want to be in a space you don't like. Enjoy Agreed. the space Make your space you're space in. Yours. Yes. Yeah. Make it feel comfortable for you. 
and, and also like if you're not in a space that feels comfortable for you take the time to get out of it you know like take the time Life to is find too short to be short miserable to not, or to, to be not comfortable yeah and not feel like you can express yourself the way that you want to like you should be able to be in your living environment expressing yourself the way that you want to and feel comfortable in your own space and, the um, same and that's thing, really important the same thing um, goes with for people in your life as well like let's dial it back to our very first episode where we talked about cutting like we're going back to season one episode one with Jane Fonda yeah. like cutting people out of your life that aren't benefiting you reestablishing and redefining the relationships you have with the people in your life and are they benefiting you or are they sucking things from you right like you need to these are all coping mechanisms and not even coping because coping makes it seem as if you have to deal with it I feel like like, right. These no, I are agree. tools. These are tools to better your life and to better your circle. Like you are, your skin is a sponge. You are a sponge. You put out yeah. what you are given back. So if you are surrounding yourself with people that are putting out good, you're just going to shine good right back. There are so many yeah. things like facts and just know that not everybody's meant to be in your tribe like not everybody's meant to rock and roll with you. And like, that's just okay. Like, I think that I like want I just want everybody to be comfortable and I just want things to work out. And like, if they're not, and you're not in my tribe and that's okay. Like if you, if you're showing me consistent signs that you don't really rock and roll with me, peace, like peace the fuck out. Like if you say hurtful things, and you display negative energy. I can't be around it. Like that's not fair to me. That's not fair to you. Like cut those people out. And like on that same note, one of like, a coping mechanism for me or something that's very, very helpful for people. This isn't even if you have depression, but this has also been something that really has helped me with my depression. Toxic thoughts are something that really weigh really heavy on your body. And that's also like speaking toxic to yourself. So sometimes I'll find myself like, cause I shoot a lot of content that I'll be like, that's so fucking, it was this content horrible. Like my content's not that good. Well, I'm going to delete this video. But me carrying that energy about myself is actually releasing chemicals into my body that fuel my depression. Um, this isn't even going for people that have depression, but this is going to make you overall a more successful human being. These chemicals that are being released with negative thought are very real. And that's why everyone's like, manifestation, you can manifest it. It's like, you kind of can't. You're, you're fueling your body with positive affirmations opposed to I can't. I can't actually eats away at your inner your inner being. Like that sounds so hippy dippy, but it's very real. Well, shit, we had another episode too. replace I can't or I should just either yeah. do it or figure out a way to do it. Like There's just so much weight behind it. I'm being honest. Like you're literally releasing toxic chemicals in your body. Like as we were saying before, we've done that. Like you've done those studies of like around plants. Like if you're yelling at plants and saying toxic things to it, they fucking die. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah. real. Like you can't just do that to yourself and be like, wondering why I feel like shit about myself. I've also started this. Um, I don't look at my phone when I wake up in the morning because that's yeah. opening myself up to a whole energy of so many people when I need to start my day worrying about myself. I need to start my day worrying about me. And I need to start my day, how can I get myself on the best footing? Not read eight comments about myself, not go see what everybody else is doing. That's a really toxic thing. I posted a video on our Instagram story the other day of somebody with a glass of water and they kept dumping out um, you know, things, how starting their day and why people feel a little bit disheveled by the afternoon. It's because we're just letting our brains be filled with other people's energy all day, dumping our glass of water out, 
because of social media, checking our email, watching the news, all of those things starting your day are funneling you into a different headspace. Mm. Let your day start off with your energy and your energy only, not 9,000 other people trying to keep up with the Joneses. That's not doing any of us good. And I liked how somebody put this before. You're not doing other people any good by filling your thoughts in your mind with self-deprecating thoughts about how you're not enough starting your day off like I'm sorry that's how social media makes me feel when I rip it up starting my day I have this like heavy energy that I and also because I put a lot of content out then I'm like oh what do I need to do for the rest of the day it's like let me think on it let me think on it be feeling forced let to have to wake do up and be in my body before yeah. I start sending my energy into a million different directions yeah um, I've recently so we've talked about how I want to go off my antidepressants um, how that's a goal that I have set for myself and how that's something I'm going to start working towards. But I'm not going to lie, like it, it, it is something that you don't want to have anxiety over, but you kind of have anxiety over. And it's because it's like every time I'm in these situations now or I'm starting to feel this anxiety or depression swell up, it's like I need to be able to cope with this. I can't just rely on the meds to even it out. Like I need to get good at nipping it in the bud and listening to my own body. And I think that ways that I've been trying to do that is what I just started. Uh, I was telling you about it, the the three bitches rule. And I'm like so into this concept that I created called the three bitches rule because it's totally changed kind of that. Once again, don't talk about it, just be about it mindset. And what that is, is if I catch myself bitching about the same thing three times, I either got to shit or get off the pot. Like I'm neither need to do something about it or shut the fuck up and just deal with it. Because not only does whoever I'm telling this like bitching episode to or whatever's bothering me or whatever's grinding my gears or getting under my skin. If I've said the same thing to them three times, they're going to be so irritated with me. I'm going to be irritated with myself. I get so annoyed when you always have like, I call it the, um, there's always something friend. And it's that friend that always has something going on. It's usually the same fucking thing in just a couple different words. And it's like, yo, dude, you've bitched about this so many times, either do something about it or shut up. Because at this point yeah. it's becoming an issue in our relationship. So you guys, that's actually going to be our challenge for this week is the three bitches rule. Try to follow it. If you find yourself bitching about the same thing like three times, three or more times, like fucking do something about it. Have a conversation with someone that's potentially causing you to bitch. Uh, Change your, you know, change your mindset, change your behavior about it, because if you're not going to do anything about it, you're going to keep staying in that mindset. So it's like the next time you come up on something that you just like, are irritated or that's getting you under your skin like that's when you need to check yourself and be like okay how do I change this like change those little things in your life I really love that like there's so many things that we can all relate to that not only did we bitch about it three times but we've bitched about it for years or like weeks and months that it's like if something's fucking bothering you and you've bitched about it more than three times take some take some action on it and, and if there's something, even even if not even, even if you're not even bitching about it in a figurative sense, if there's something that bother, has bothered you more than three times, also cut that shit out. Like, just cut it out. I love that rule. I think that that's like a really, really key rule. Like, let's just be real. Like, um, but yeah, I wanted to share this other, this other thing, this other note that um, these are kind of like warning signs or triggers for 
depression that if somebody might have it or if you might have it and you don't know, but there's three things that are called three, the three stressors. Um, one is physical, two is chemical, and three is emotional. So physical is accidents, injuries, traumas, you know, physical things that you can see. That can be a stressor to cause depression or trigger your depression. Uh, second, chemical. That is something like a hangover, uh, having a virus in your body, um, you know, blood, blood sugar levels, diet, um, you know, even, even the things that you're consuming, the things that you're around, like honestly, the hormones in the food that you're eating, like that's a chemical thing. So that can sway you to trigger your depression or give you depression. Last one is emotional. So that's a family tragedy. That's a loss. That's job. That's income. That's finances. This is emotional is a very key one. That is a trigger that can bring you in and out. But these are some things to check in on yourself, like check in your, on yourself on the, the, the threes, on these three things, the physical, the chemical and the emotional. Those are what drives your prefrontal cortex um, and your decision making process. But it's just good to check in on these things and, and make sure that, you know, they're all they're all balanced and you're not, you know, just not too heavy on the chemical side of things, emotional side of things and physical side of things. It's really good to try to balance those things out because these are all triggers and things that can spike your depression, give you depression or fuel your depression. Um, they're just something to, to know and check in on. That and also like you guys, we stress this all the time, but this, this episode in the end of season two, it's just kind of a recap of everything we've ever talked about because it's hard to encompass the feelings of isolation and loneliness when you're going through these things. And it's hard to feel as if other people are in the same boat as you or they're feeling the same things. But if there's anything that we can like get through, through our convoluted, you know, us preaching and talking and our stories and everything, it's just that shit happens and it affects everybody and everybody can have basically a shit stain on them and have no idea and like with that shit stain just know like there are a million other people with these shit stains too and like I hate this I hate this I love that actually (laughs) I love that I just think that so many people are walking around with a violent shit stain on them actually and nobody says anything because it's awkward to tell somebody that there's a shit stain on your fucking shirt it's awkward to be like, yo, dude, you got a lot of shit on you, bro. It's just awkward. But that's kind of depression and suicide that you don't want to go up to your friend and be like, hey, you haven't left your room in a year and a half. Are you doing okay? You're, you don't want to have the awkward conversation that there's hey, a shit stain across your shirt. you're video games with all these people and you haven't come out and had a real conversation in, you know, a couple months or fuck anything. You left like, me on red the last 10 times. You like- haven't laughed you haven't cried you haven't felt anything because you're staying in this little vortex of isolation and feelings and those feelings are usually a chemical imbalance like oh there's a chemical imbalance happening and you just don't even know and like one of my friends you know he struggles pretty openly with anxiety and depression and he just bails on me all the time and sometimes it's more than usual and I'll be like dude hey checking in on you what's good with the bailing love you. Let's talk. Like, you know what I mean? Let's like literally chat about this behavior because you know what? Like having one awkward conversation is a lot more important than losing somebody and never being able to have the conversation. And that's the severity that I really want to talk about and like get a little bit more serious here. Yeah. Before we get a little more serious, you guys, I mean, 
we're kind of warning you right now. And it's not a warning because these are things that need to be talked about. But the conversation is going to get a little bit on the heavier side in terms of suicide and what that means and how it how it really just suicide is the final symptom of depression. And I think it's one that we don't I don't want to say give credit to people, but it's one that that's almost what validates their depression is the suicide um, in terms of that's when people see that they might have been depressed is is then, oh, they were depressed. Suicide is the final trigger when people realize, oh, they must have been depressed when there was 90,000 warning signs before that moment. And we're not aware of them because we don't have conversations like this that are difficult. And I just wanted to bring it back around to the fact that I'm so sick and tired of just it getting to the somebody committing suicide and then somebody being like, oh, I should have checked in on them more. Oh, I knew that they didn't leave their house. Oh, they're unhappy every time I see them. Yeah. Because you know what? 264 million people are depressed. And that's a statistic that's not even real. There's so many more people that like, that's not even a real statistic. The statistic that I know by um, that I is one in three people have have depressive tendencies. Um, that doesn't mean they're fully depressed, but one in three people have depressive tendencies. So therefore, that's a pretty high number. And we need to we need to talk about things as if it's depression and suicide is a pandemic. So we are going around talking about how COVID-19 is a crazy pandemic and we're losing a lot of people, which is fact of the matter. Um, but also we, are, we have lost more life lives of suicide um, in the time of COVID and nobody's calling that a pandemic. When that is a pandemic, in my opinion, and it has been, actually the rates of suicide have doubled due to this pandemic, due to the, 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 the severity of the, the, um, the economy and the severity of the, the, the way that the world has handled, you know, going about the media of this pandemic and just watching people die around you. It's just very heavy. The world is shut down. It's self-isolating. Suicide rates are skyrocketing. It's very heavy. The world has shut down. That's way more time to be by yourself. If you have addiction problems, if you have depression, you're sitting with your thoughts. You're sitting sitting with your addictions. And you know what? This period of time, we need to check in more than ever on people's mental health, more than ever. So uh, I remember a little over a year ago, I, um, well, actually, no, this happened in December of 2019 because I had just moved to San Diego. And I just found out that the job I'd moved to San Diego for, they were letting all of us go. And this Mm -hmm. happened in December. And I remember I obviously called my mom to talk to her about it. And she was like, "Um, basically, keep an eye on your coworkers and just be extra, just extra communicative with like your peers. And I I was like, what do you mean? Why? And she was like, like, I, I just didn't really understand because I had just told her and this is why I had just told her that they had given us basically a suicide hotline number as they fired us. And my mom was saying like, yeah, basically, uh, that's, it's a huge red flag with companies and stuff. And with mental health, like those are triggers, losing your job, losing, being isolated, um, financial, you know, loss of finances. These are all things that can lead to triggers and lead to suicide and depression. So yeah, kind of no wonder. It's just, it's just, um, it's just, yeah. So like during the great depression that happened, you know, in the 1930s, 
the the rates of suicide doubled. Mm. Finances and income is one of the leading causes of why people commit suicide. Um, it's really, really big in big financial districts where people a lot of money's at on the line. Um, and people can lose like $20 million in a day. Suicide rates with jobs like that are very high, um, especially with men. Men commit suicide more than women. Um, women are more depressed, but we go about it in a more self-deprecating way. Um, and it's just it's just a little bit challenging to me in this pandemic to see just like how openly we've been talking about, you know, the death rate and how severe this pandemic is when people are dying way more of suicide around us. And like, it's not an easy topic to talk about. I get it. Cause there's I, a I, stigma around it. That seems like you can control it. I was going to say, and I that's don't, part I don't want to make it seem as if we're being like, we sh- like COVID's not as big of, you know, in, in any way, shape or Nobody's form. I don't want it that. to be. Yeah. That's not what we're saying. What we're saying is like, COVID is a pandemic that everyone in the world has recognized as being a pandemic. People are actively dying from this. What we're saying is that we are not treating suicide and mental, like mental illness as a, as a pandemic, as a cancer, as something destroying our society. When at 25 years old, I have lost three close people in my life to like to substance abuse, to depression, to like just it's it's just Men- it's mental fucked. health disorders. Yeah, yeah. And I'm 25. I've lost too many people to even list off to mental health disorders, and I've I constantly struggle with people in my life with mental health disorders that I'm worried about you. Like I'm worried about you. Like I don't want your life to be gone, and we have to view it as a cancer. Um, in, in my sense, that's kind of how my depressed brain to get over my depression. I've viewed, I've tried to, because so many people told me to invalidate my depression. So I started flipping my brain to be like, you know what? Depression is an illness. It is just like cancer. Uh, people die of suicide at a higher rate of people that die of cancer. So that's also something to put into perspective, but cancer, you can see physically on somebody. And sometimes with depression, you can't see it physically on somebody uh, because it's a mental wound. It's an open wound on your brain. That's kind of how something I flipped it to, to see it, that it's like a bleeding cut wound. It's, it's open. It needs to be healed. It needs coping mechanisms. My brain right now has a scar. It's like a pretty big scar that I would say I have from my depression. It's not a gashing wound anymore, but it's a scar. And guess what? Scars open more easily than, than regular skin. So therefore I can, you know, hit that, hit that just right. My depression and suicidal feelings can come back. (laughs) So I think viewing it and as depression as not something so metaphoric, I think that that's why we don't talk about it so much as a pandemic because we think of it as like a metaphoric thing and it's a bunch of feelings when it's actually not. We, we, we know it's a chemical imbalance. It's a wound on our brain. Let's look at it that way and like see that analogy as something that we can maybe, you know, share with other people. I think that people also, it's, it's so easy. Like even in my head, it was like, okay, once I take these meds or once I get on this prescription, everything is going to be fine. It's all going to level itself out and I'm going to be happy go lucky again. And that was in like the early stages of my healing. And that was before I even started therapy. And I think that therapy has been able to give me a vocabulary and to really hit home that like, 
when I'm telling my therapist about what I'm feeling and she's able to give me a full-blown like analysis because it's literally in a textbook. Like what I'm feeling is not foreign. It's not new. This is documented. Like it is known. Like there are tools. There are people who have studied this, but those people don't have the biggest platforms and those people have a lot of Like people all have feelings towards therapists and some are for it and some are against it and some have had negative experiences. But what I wanted to say about like the medication is that it's not a one stop shop. I have to do other things. And it's like each time I'm put in a new scenario or, you know, my my scar on my brain is kind of twinged or there's like that ghost pain or something comes up in my life that flares that that feeling and that depressive core or wherever it is hiding. I have to know how to deal with that on my own because I want to go off the medication. Like I want to actively work towards being able to control and regulate these things and ride them out myself. And I think that because I'm aware of that and because I know that I have support because I'm informed and I'm educated on the illness that I have, Mm -hmm. I'm able to view it like that as something that I'm actively working towards recovery in. Because I've accepted that it's an illness that I have. And I think that that's a lot of the fear and a lot of the issues with the conversations is that it's so easy to say, I know someone who's depressed because they fit this mold or because they attempted suicide or because they did X, Y, and Z, or they had this, this, and this happen. And it's like we said earlier, we're just trying to hit home these same points that we've already made of depression can be in anyone depression can show signs in a variety of different ways you can be hypermanic and doing high energy high risk things or you can be super sedentary doing absolutely nothing or low risk and you can do anything in between here and there you can be doing drugs that make you act up you cannot be doing drugs you can you know there's just there's so many different ways and there's so many different formulas and there's so many different causes and roots and symptoms that it is hard to look at yourself and wonder like, am I depressed? But also it's not hard to look at yourself and say, there's something that I'm unhappy with in my life and I want to change that. How do I, you do that? You do that through all these coping mechanisms through research. I think you made a a really good point too with the education side of things and like the resources that I think that we're pretty blessed to have that education and like be able to find those resources that we're not as impoverished and incapable as some other people are that that's where it becomes challenging as well especially if you live in families with cultural differences because culturally in a lot of different cult- cultures depression isn't real and like you know just in indian and chinese culture like let's just be real it's very much just be like hard work go do what you have to do. And there's a lot of people in those communities that suffer a lot with these, with mental health issues and don't feel like they have the place to, you know, even get help for it because it's just not culturally there. There's stigma around mental health and there's stigma Well, I was going to say, I think it's because people view it as a weakness when in reality, like if anything, I view my mental health as my strength because it's made me a better person. It's made me see that life is something I actively want to participate. Relationships are something I actively want to foster. I want to be around to experience things. I want to create my own family. I want to keep building memories. I want to live and it doesn't need to be by anyone else's terms. It needs to be by mine and my own. I think that that's a really good way to put it that it's like 
I just want to live and live by my own terms, whether that feels different to you, whether that's off to you. Sure, that might be really off to you, how I live and like how I have to go about things. But guess what? I want to thrive. And this is like the environment that I created for myself to thrive in. And that's all we can do. Yeah. And thriving, it comes differently to everybody. You know, not everyone wants chasing that bag. They just want to live peacefully and that's fine. You know, whatever makes you feel content and happy. And that's what's important. But I just, I also think it's really important to have these conversations. Whatever makes you content and happy. These conversations are really important though. So more of us can live more content and happy lives and we can lift each other up and support one another. It'd be really great if you could share this podcast as much as you could, especially this episode, because what we're talking about really does need to be spoken about and talked about. And it like weighs really heavy on my heart. Um, I don't feel like I wasn't put here on this earth, you know, and gone through the challenges that I did and have not wanted to be alive to not speak about it in a way to help other people. And that's just fact in my mind. You know, I, I, I with losing my friend recently and having my ex reach out to me and have these crazy, beautiful conversations of him have clarity on mental health. Now he'll be able to help other people and maybe save somebody else's life from this knowledge. Um, you know, and that's a, that's a beautiful thing. And, I think we're all brought here on this earth to do different things and we're all presented different challenges that make us uniquely us. And we all should speak on our challenges and like find rationalization with one another because it's a really beautiful thing to do. Um, And I think that this episode is a really, really beautiful thing and it's really, really eye-opening and should be definitely shared with as many people as you can. I agree. I think that... With Mental Health Awareness Month, there was so much that we wanted to talk about. And with this episode and with what it signifies um, as wrapping up season two, as kind of, I feel like, closing the door on any insecurities we had or vulnerabilities left with this podcast. I think that we are more informed of who we are through doing this I think we're more informed of our purpose in life and I think that we are making a difference I think that our listeners are making a difference I think that anyone that rides with us or anyone that rides just with the purpose of doing good and being better is someone who's who we would support and who we want to lift up and someone that we would want to have listen to us and who we would want to listen to because Mm -hmm. at the end of the day if we can stress it enough, share this episode and connect with the people around you. This episode is just, it's a conversation. It's a tool. It's, it's a way for you to look at yourself and to look at those around you and to look at your bedroom, look at your car, look at your office space, look at where you spend all your time and really think, is this where I'm thriving? Is this mm-hmm. a is this a setting where I can where I have the things I need? I have the support, I have the habitat, I have the safety, I have the connections. And if yeah. you don't have that, look at it and look deeply at what's lacking and how you can how you can bring balance and restore like your ecosystem and your area to what it needs to be because honestly life is a beautiful thing and we all deserve to live it and live it happily and well. That doesn't mean there's going to be days that you don't feel bad. That doesn't mean you're still not going to flip someone off as, you know, they merge across your intersection or whatever it is. There's still going to be things that life isn't just going to magically get better, but your outlook on life can. And you can do that 
through coping mechanisms, which I don't like to call coping mechanisms, but you can build your own arsenal of tools. You can build your own weapons to be anything that your mind throws at you or that life throws at you. We have every, we have every option and every ability in the world to change our circumstances, but you can only do that if you change your mindset. It goes down to the three bitches rule to our challenge for this week. It goes down to just trying to get out and make your world a better place because those small actions and those kindnesses that you show yourself will start to be like magnified around you. So I'm kind of rambling, but I just, yeah, let's get into, let's get into some of our writing as our therapy note of the week, you know, coming down to, we we're a little bit more serious on this episode. Like I kind of like that. Like that's just like how like versatile of bitches we are. Like not only like are we hot and sexy and fucking hilarious, but like we're really serious and smart and like <laughs> what the fuck more could you ask for? But not only that, we're eloquent, beautiful writers in touch with our emotions. So yeah. So instead of a therapy, now we're the market, actually though, we're dating our plants. Sorry. Yeah. Don't hit I us up. I mean, please do. Sometimes it helps. No, that's the key of this. You literally need to check in on us. Like that's one thing. No, on on a serious note again, as I was just trying to get lighthearted, I was kind of saying this the other day. I was like, I've opened up to so many people about my mental health and my depression, but yet I've never got a text just being like, yo, how are you? And I'm dead ass serious. That's fucked up. Like you're lucky that I'm taking care of myself and like pay for a therapist and do these things. But no, not one fucking person has ever been like, yo, how are you doing? Like, and I've told like 20, 30 people about my depression. Nobody's ever I, asked. This is a call for help and no one's calling. Literally. I, and that's the point of why I, like, I literally made a podcast because I was like, well, if nobody's going to answer my call or give me a fucking call, so I'll just make a fucking podcast because at least you're, at least you're being honest. I'm being honest. I'm going to be honest. And like, nobody's ever texted me. This podcast is only like, for Grace's gain. This is her therapy. I am her whatever, therapist. Whatever, dude. I mean, like you, the other day when I, I was like not answering. That. Yeah, you you texted me. But it's just like, you know, literally I've never gotten a text being like, how you doing? How's your depression? Like never once. So on that note, uh, that's fucked up. And we really need to check in on people that especially they openly tell you about it literally to your fucking face, which is not even one of the flags that we're talking about. I'm literally telling you. I literally am like, oh, I have depression. We're screaming like, it I, from the mountaintops. I literally feel screaming invalidated. With a megaphone. I yeah. can't wait till we that, like, like, I'm literally just being like, happen? check in on me. I have depression. And if you're my friend, make sure I'm not in my room for a week. That's why you journal. That is why I journal, which has helped my depression immensely because I now can validate my feelings and see them up close and personal. So Soleil, would you like to share your writing that you would like to share for our, you know, closing up of season? I was actually going to have you go first because I went first last week. Okay. Um, All right. Oh, yeah. So you guys, just a little bit, uh, just a quick little update. Uh, We're doing some journal readings for this therapy fact today because... We wanted to switch it up and we both were sharing our writings with each other yesterday and we're like, damn, this actually hella helped us. So maybe it'll hella help you guys. Grace, get it. Okay. Serious voice. Yeah. Um, so this piece is titled Something Light, Suicide. <laughs> is it titled hey guys, Something uh, Light? or is it No, just it's titled- literally just called Suicide. Oh, I just like, I just t- didn't know how to open up without making a joke. It just made me kind of uncomfortable and be like... <clears throat> So, suicide. So, yeah, I'm just going to delve into it. 
the reason I wrote this piece on suicide was after I found out the loss of this person that I've been talking about recently. So I wrote, it's called suicide. One of the biggest sins somebody can commit in God's eyes. Here's the thing. I get that. We are so we are so lucky to be living and breathing on this earth where each of us are so definitively unique down to each fraction of our being. But what happens when just living and breathing becomes a daunting task? When life feels harder than death? When death seems peaceful in comparison to the mental anguish in your mind? You're a prisoner to yourself. Others that don't have depression will say to you, happiness is a choice. You're just not choosing to be happy. Little do they know those comments become more self-deprecating as though happiness isn't something your dopamine depraved brain is longing for, like a man in the desert looking for a glass of water. Life is a strange maze. At times, at times you're overwhelmed by feelings that there's no way out, but other times you feel like the maze stood no chance to your navigation skills. When I hear that somebody has taken their life, my whole body and mind just feels paralyzed. But the paraly being paralyzed like this is where it comes down to the fact that I can truly understand why. I wish I was the type of person that couldn't understand why somebody would take their own life. Though the journey of healing my depressed brain, I've started to change my outlook to the rationalization that suicide is obviously letting my depression win. If anybody knows me, I'm very competitive. I don't want my biggest rival, that team, that opponent that always gives you a run for your money, win. My depression now isn't anything that's going to beat me. I will win. I will come out on top. That doesn't mean that other days won't be harder than others. That my rival won't give me a run for money, my money another time again. But it won't break me anymore. Some games make me feel lifeless and empty, but I did everything mentally and physically that I could. But you can't be 100% at all times. We can see physical illness like cancer. We can see the toll it takes on people. Depression is an open wound on the brain. It's bleeding. It needs help. Suicide is cancer. Why can't we see it the same? Damn, Ma. Yeah, and I actually read that to my ex so he could understand what I was feeling a little bit. And it was kind of a really beautiful thing to be able to read how my brain feels and how my brain views things with somebody that doesn't feel that way after losing somebody to what I'm talking about. Somebody that also thinks the same way as me. And it was very self-deprecatingly beautiful, but that's life. I mean, I asked you after you had that conversation with your ex, I was like, so, you know, genuinely, does this make you feel better or does this kind of make you feel like shitty? Like I would feel almost shitty having myself be validated that long not like validated oh, but it, like, does, it doesn't feel great dude it doesn't feel fucking great like it I, i'm gonna be honest like it's really sad like i wish that the three years that i was with you you could have seen me i've never dated anybody that i feel like has ever seen me dude like seen me yeah. um and that hurts you know and it hurts to feel like seen and heard after everything i was saying to you was not validated in the moment you didn't see me while I was struggling. You saw me post-struggle and I went through it myself. And that's the part that made it more isolating and harder for me when I moved out here. Um, I just, and I also, I'm not going to lie though, I'm going to flip it to the other side. When you have mental health and you have depression, I put a lot on his back. I was a bit codependent on him, I believe, like in my opinion, because I needed him to be that dopamine release for me. I remember sharing this with my therapist. He became my dopamine release. So when I needed dopamine, I would call him, text him. That's not also fair to put on to other, another person. He shouldn't have to be at somebody's dopamine back and call. You know, he has his own life to be living, especially when he doesn't understand what's going on with my brain. So it just became a huge clusterfuck. Um, but yeah, there's so many lessons to be learned from it. And I will only 
be with somebody that is also a creative and can understand my brain. That is something that I have learned from that relationship that if you don't think creatively and you don't know how to understand depression and see me, because I don't want something to happen to me, you know, because I'm dating somebody that doesn't see my my warning signs and, you know, other things like that's important to me. Or so, that, yeah, doesn't. Yeah, just see them. I, I hear you. That's, yeah. that's I mean, I think I don't want to say like everyone has someone that they wish could have seen them for who they truly were. But I, I think that that is kind of a valid statement is like, how many times do you leave an interaction or a first date or literally anything? And you're just like, was I actually myself or like, do they know who I am? Because yeah. if they actually knew who I am, would they still like me? Like that kind of yeah. thing. Like yeah. that's, that's where it gets interesting. I but think- you know, the piece that I wrote, I started on May 18th and I actually only got about a third of the way into it. And then I wrapped it up on the 24th. So I titled it your loss. Um, something light, <laughs> you know, yeah. casual, something light, your loss, suicide, something casual. So here we go. <clears throat> I haven't, I feel like I don't really read my stuff that often. I know it's really, I, I don't know if I ha- ever have. Have it's I? really uncomfortable. Okay. Well, it's uncomfortable when it's emotional stuff. I don't think it's uncomfortable when it's comedic, but that, that was uncomfortable for me to read. Mm. Well, thank you for sharing it with us. Yeah. First. Made me uncomfortable, but that's okay. Life makes me fucking uncomfortable. So, <laughs> well, here we go. It's called Your Loss by Sole Spiegelman. Um, Amen, sister. As I make like jokes about it, so to avoid doing it, <clears throat> <laughs> deflect. All right, here we go. There's so many different feelings associated with the word loss, whether it be joy, anger, sorrow, fear. It changes depending on each unique circumstance. One may feel joy in the loss of weight, but heartbreak over the loss of a friend, anger at the loss of a relationship, or fear the ever impending losses that life creates. The concept of loss is awkward because of how heavily rooted in emotion that word is, simultaneously constant yet elusive. Loss is everywhere and surrounds us the moment we're born, if not sooner. I'm used to not having my expectations met, especially the ones I've set for myself. I come close to achievement, but then I get scared of leveling up. But that doesn't sound right because it makes it seem as if I view myself incapable unac- of achieving it, and that's not true. It's more like I want a taste of everything life has to offer. A jack of all trades. It's my curiosity that makes me me. That's my weird. My curiosity in learning how people came to be who they were before the moment our paths crossed. I truly believe that everything happens for a reason and that the power of spirit and manifestation are deep and unlimited. I have no fear or resentment towards anyone in my life. Just questions because I need the full picture in order to lay you to rest in my own head. But alas, that's asking so much from people who have so little to give in terms of lessons or guidance. But maybe that's a lesson in itself. They are not around my circle or manipulating and benefiting from my energy, soul, and presence. Answers cannot be given by those whose tests have not, whose tests they have not passed in their life. To surround yourself with low-level energy is to become that. Don't let your stream fill the cups of an army that tears you down. Because that is truly their loss. Amen. I love that. Thank you. But yeah, I realized as I was reading it um, that when I talk about 
my curiosity it's my curiosity that makes me me that's my weird that that's actually a tie to an episode we did where it was like what's what's your weird what's your you Mm -hmm. and I was talking about it being my heart but I guess subconsciously it's it's my heart but it's also my my curiosity I guess I was writing about that that's interesting you are a very curious person so am I curiosity I like to try everything I'll try everything once like anal uh, that's kind of like a rare. We made it all the way to the end of the episode. I haven't we not, made an anal yeah. joke. But that's the thing. Like, I'm, I'm going to be honest. I'm super curious about everything. I've, I haven't not not tried a little bit of anal. Like, tried a little bit. <laughs> I think most girls can say that. I tried like a little. <laughs> accidentally. I Well, accidentally, but also just like kind of tried to. And I was just like, I can't. Like, that just, like, I'm sorry, that doesn't feel good. And therefore, we can't I thought go that this from my journal to... reading into anal talk. I know. We can't that's do really it. We fucked can't do up. It. I know. That's fucked up. That's fucked up. I think we're also just trying to get a little bit lighter after two heavy journal readings. I think that, that that's, um, I think that's this where it is, went to. I think that means we're done because this is a pretty long episode so this is a wrap on season two right here guys this is the end of season two like how do you feel about it because like i'm stoked i'm stoked we're actually going to take a week off to reset so we will Mm -hmm. not be here next week we'll put a note about that on our social media wait next week though is it next week though hold on so yeah you guys we're gonna take a week off um and do a little you know a little reboot on life um, and then we'll be back with season three. We're talking chain tops. We're talking merch. We're talking sponsorships. We don't have them yet, but we're working on them. Yeah. If you know anybody that like literally wants to sponsor us, which I'm sure that you do, um, throw them our way. They'll make some extra bread. We also hey, need to be actively, we need to actively actually reach out to people. We just don't do that. <laughs> nope, we don't. But people, if you want to actively reach out to us, you can find me on the Instagram. I am at F. BG Soleil. Grace is at Gracie.Makura. Yeah, baby. We are at You Down to Ride. This is Mental Health Awareness Month. You are all riders. We have to go to work um, because until those sponsorships come in, like I'm still going to be slinging tequila. So with that yeah, being said, you guys, uh, don't forget the golden rule. Well, don't forget your weekly challenge. Uh, try to catch yourself doing using the three bitches rule. And if it works for you, let me know because I'm going to trademark that ASAP. ASAP. You should. So uh, listen to some music you like. Eat some good food. Ride the fuck on. Get some accidental anal. Ride hard. Ride hard and just try not to get fucked too hard by anal. I didn't want to say try not to get too fucked hard by anal. I wanted to say depression. Back to it. Catch up on episodes if you missed any. We'll see you guys soon. Peace. Peace.